Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. But man, I'm so grateful when I'm away, ministry doesn't stop here. And my wife, Kim, did a wonderful job bringing the word last weekend uh, as we continued our series. And so today we're going to wrap up our series uh, called, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Um, and really this series is all about how do we neighbor well? How do we, how do we take the biblical mandate we have and apply it to our lives? And um, I'll, I'll start with scripture that really we've gone through over the last few weeks And I forgot to mention this. A lot of what we're talking about, we've taken from a book called The Art of Neighboring. And I believe, do we have any copies left in the info? We've got one copy left in the info center. So right now, somebody's gonna jump up and run out there and snag it. But one copy left at the info center. But I would encourage you, read this book, get connected with kind of the heart of what we're doing. I think it'll be helpful for you. Um, But we're gonna start in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. This is what it says. One day... An expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Now, this is an important question. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Today, we might ask the question, what do I have to do to be saved? Um, And this is a question that People have been asking for all of history. As long as there were human beings, uh, there have been people asking, what do I have to do to be saved? What, how do I inherit eternal life? Uh, how do I go to the next life? How do, whatever it is. And, and the reality is, I don't think we ask this question enough today because I think a lot of people in Western culture, uh, we have been Christianized enough that, uh, that we think we know the answer. And we think the answer is um, what, what theologians would call moral deism. And what moral deism is, is the belief that there is a God, but uh, if I'm moral enough or good enough, then, uh, then that will take care of eternity. So as long as my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then I will earn salvation, I'll earn heaven. And I, I want you to know a lot of people feel this way. Even people in churches feel like if I'm good enough, then I'm gonna persuade God to love me or this, this cosmic scale of good and bad. And as long as my good is better than my bad, then I've earned heaven. And I want you to know something, that is not biblical, period. There is nothing you or I can do to earn salvation. There is nothing you and I can do in our moralness or goodness or our own kindness to earn salvation. It is a gift from God through the sacrificial uh, death of his son, Jesus Christ. The atoning death of Christ on the cross is the only thing that saves us. So when he's asking this question, it's important. What do I have to do to be saved? And I wanna help you understand this too. Um, It's not enough for you to be nice to get to heaven. That's not good enough. And this idea has, has kind of permeated our culture and this is not biblical at all. It's clear that the only thing that can save us is Jesus Christ. So he asks this question, what do I have to do? And Jesus turns it back on him and says, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Tell me what you think. And the man answered, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. So, so this man responds and he says, uh, well, I've got to love God with everything I am. And notice he goes through these different levels. He talks about 
heart, soul, mind, strength. And I don't have time to get into all the different facets of what this really means. But what he's basically saying is, Every fiber in my being loves God. So what do I do for, to have eternal life? I love God with everything I am. That, that God is not just something I do on the weekend. It's not just a place that I attend church. That, that God is my chief affection in my life. He is the primary thing I think about, that I love, that I want. That is it. First and foremost, love the Lord God with everything you are. And then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because he knows the law, he knows what's been written. So he says this, and Jesus responds and says, right, do this and you will live. Now let me help you with this. What this seems to indicate is that what we just talked about, this moral deism, is true. Because what it says is, love the Lord God and love your neighbors yourself. So if you do this stuff, you will earn salvation. But let me flip that on you. What I know is this, when I love God well, when I make him my chief affection, when I allow him to be Lord of my life, everything else falls into place. I am incapable of loving my neighbor as myself until Jesus is my chief affection. So when God is my chief affection, then all this other stuff begins to happen. And that is evidence of my true affection. So I can't manipulate. I can't go, okay, I'm just gonna love God now and I'm gonna love my neighbors and then God will love me enough that I'll get to go to heaven. That's not what it's talking about. It's saying these things are byproducts of our affection. So if we love God really well, then, then it's gonna be proven out by what we do, how we love our neighbors, how we treat people. So Jesus says, that's right, do this and you will live. And then the man responds in verse 29. He wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And this is a question we've talked about over the last few weeks, but this is one we're gonna pin down today. We're gonna to get to the heart of it. Last week, if you missed Kim, um, she, she led you in a, a rousing rendition of the Sesame Street classic, Who Are the People in Your Neighborhood? If you missed it, I would encourage you to go back and watch. Uh, I watched online and I loved it because it was almost like when I'm riding in the car with my girls and we're singing a song on the radio and then I turn the radio down just so I can... Like all of a sudden it's awkward and they're singing by themselves. So Kim started singing and she's like, come on, you guys sing with me. And nobody was singing with her. I was like, yes, yes. Oh, I know how that feels. And it's interesting because even on Sesame Street or the street as kids call it, uh, even on Sesame Street, um, they know the value of neighbors. It's important to know who your neighbors are. Who are these people that are in your life? Who are the people that you're coming into contact with? Who are the people in your neighborhood? And this is a question we've wrestled with over the last few weeks. Who is my neighbor? I, I found a quote a couple of weeks ago. A man named Franz Leonard said this, one cannot define one's neighbor, one can only be a neighbor. See, we're busy trying to define who is my neighbor, but but what we don't understand is we have to start with this number one focus. I'm gonna be a neighbor. I'm gonna be a good neighbor regardless of who my neighbor is. No matter how we define it, I'm gonna resolve within myself that I'm gonna do what God is asking me to do. I'm gonna love the Lord God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I'm gonna love my neighbor as myself. So we begin with that. Well, like I said, we're gonna pin down today who is my neighbor. I think Jesus gives us a clue to this in this passage we just read. When Jesus uses the word neighbor, it's, uh, 
It's a Greek word, and the Greek word is plasion. And plasion, it's used 18 times in Scripture. 17 times it's interpreted as the word neighbor. And the word neighbor means if there are two people present, the other person. So if it's you and somebody else, the other person is your neighbor. No, no matter where you're at geographically, that's who your neighbor is. So it's a broad understanding. But I think what Jesus is getting to for us, and especially in our context today, is this other word. So 17 times placeion is used as neighbor, as neighbor, and one time in Scripture, it's interpreted as the word near. 17 times it's describing a person. One time it's describing a position. And I think this is important because Jesus wants us to love the people near to us. The people that are in proximity to us, the people that are closest to us, God wants us to love them well. It's weird because in America, neighboring is different than it was, you know, 10 years ago, especially 20 years ago. Holy cow, I was, I was about to say when I was a kid 20 years ago. No, when I was a kid 35 years ago. <sighs> I knew all my neighbors and it was cool because uh, some of my neighbors, the kids were a, l- a little older, a little younger, and we didn't see each other much during the school year because we were in different grades and sports and all the different things. But during the summer, they were my best friends. We'd do everything together every day. We'd be playing outside. We'd be playing video, all the stuff. We, all summer long, we'd be together. I knew my neighbors really well. That is not the case in the world we live in today. If you like numbers, I'm going to share some statistics with you. And these are not the most up-to-date statistics. These are from a few years ago. But they still will give us an idea of of the state of neighboring in America. Um, 57% of Americans only know some of their neighbors, which is shocking to me. I thought that number would be much lower, honestly. 57% know some of their neighbors. And what you'll see in a minute is I think the way we define the word no will make a big difference here. They know some of their neighbors. 26% said they know most of their neighbors. 17% said they know none of their neighbors. Let's be honest, those are the honest ones. They're like, how many of your neighbors do you know? And they're, oh, I I know some of my neighbors for sure. I know some of them, yeah. They're lying. 17% were the honest ones who said they know none of their neighbors. About two-thirds of Americans who know at least some of their neighbors would leave a house key with them. So two-thirds of the 57% said that they would leave house keys with their neighbors, which again is down probably quite a bit over years past. There's still probably some people here in Indiana County that sleep with their house unlocked at night. Why? Because you trust your neighbors. You trust that a college student is not going to walk in your house in the middle of the night, (laughs) which I can say that because we've had a few people in our church that that has happened. Hey, buddy, you know you're sleeping in the wrong house. That's awkward, but it's happened from time to time. And there's no, uh, not to say anything about our IEP students. I love our IEP students. We've got a bunch of students here today. I love you guys. But unfortunately, when you get blackout drunk, you walk into the wrong house sometimes. <laughs> Did I go too far there? I might have. Just wait. It might get worse. About 60% of people who know some of their neighbors never connect with their neighbors socially for dinners or parties or get-togethers or anything else. So remember what I said. They say they know their neighbors, but they never get together with their neighbors socially. 
So what that means is they probably know their neighbors enough to identify them by name. They pull up in their driveway at the end of the day. They get out and go, hey, Jim, how you doing? Good, Mel, how are you? Doing great, thanks, have a good night. And that's it. See, I know my neighbor. And if we're gonna be honest, that's the way most of us know our neighbors. We, we can identify them by name, maybe. We, we can have a really brief conversation together, and that's about it. Whether you're in a house or an apartment or even a dorm, you might know the people that live around you by name. You might be able to identify them, but are you connecting with them relationally? Are you doing anything with them? And according to these stats, the vast majority of people are not. Some of you are thinking right now, I'm off the hook. I live in the boonies. That's not me. I can't even see my neighbor's house from my house. Well, I've got good news and bad news for you. According to statistics, 60% of people who live in rural areas uh, con connect with and know their neighbors. And so um, they, they have a relationship. They would say they know at least some of their neighbors. So that's higher than, um, that's higher than what we see. Oh, I'm sorry, not 60%, about double in uh, suburban and urban areas. So about double um, is what we see in rural areas. But what we also see is they don't actually do a better job of really connecting. So they don't do anything socially with their neighbors either. So even though their neighbors live half a mile away uh, and they know who they are, uh, they never actually do anything with them. They just know their names. Here's one of the things I thought was interesting. You're almost three times more likely to have interaction with a neighbor in person rather than on a text or on social media. Um, and what we see is this, that if, if you get out of your car, if you are walking up to your apartment and your neighbor is there, you identify, you talk to them for a moment, and then you go about your business. But you're not going to text them. You're not going to get on social media and, you know, tweet them or get on the, uh, the Instagrams or the TikToks, or I'm just kidding, I'm being ironic. You don't do that to connect with people, right? Like the people that are right there in your neighborhood. You're in proximity to them. You're near to them. And so what do you do? You have a conversation. And this is something I think is so interesting. And this is something that I've talked to people about for a long time. I believe that proximity builds community. Proximity builds community. Um, let me give you some examples. You probably have a job and you probably have a job where you work with people that are not exactly like you. So you might be in an office every day, or maybe you're looking across the desk, or maybe you're in, uh, you're in a cubicle and you're next to another cubicle. Maybe you're working in a shop and you're with these people who are not like you. And what happens is day after day, week after week, year after year, community begins to be built with these people. These people who you normally would not hang out with, you normally would not socialize with. Now you're building community with them. You're getting to know them. You're building affection for them. Why? Because proximity builds community. I would say the same is true. Um, you know, we've got, we've got some of our IUP athletes here. The same is true on teams. Have you ever been on a, a sports team, a baseball team, a basketball team? And it's a group of people that you're like, oh, I don't know how I feel about. But you get in the trenches with people, you spend your life with them, you long hours together, and before you know it, your community, your family. Why? Proximity builds community. I've told people this in church. We've... Because our church is like it is, we have people who will drive 45 or 50 minutes to come to church here. We've got people that come from Ligonier and Ebensburg and Punxsutawney and almost to Butler. They drive to church here. 
And I'm flattered that they would do that. I'm honored that they would do that. Maybe some of you are like that. But here's what I tell them. Unless you have a crazy amount of commitment to this church, it's going to be really hard to build community. Because you're so far away that it's going to be hard to be involved in small groups. It's going to be hard to serve. It's going to be hard to to get to know other people. Because if I'm going to be honest, that's one of the reasons we live in the borough. We live in the middle of everything because we want to build relationship. I want to run into people at the grocery store. I want to see you walking down Philadelphia Street. Like, I want to build relationship and community with you. And it's easier to do that in the context of proximity and nearness. And so I've told some of the people that drive long distances, hey, if this gets old, let me know and I'm going to help you find a church in your area. And you know why I do that? It's not because I'm philanthropic. It's because I know at the end of the day, it's better for them to be connected intimately in relationship in a church that maybe they don't like the worship as much, but they can be actually in relationship with people. That's how important relationship is. That's what I want for them. And that's what I want for you is to be connected in relationship. And it's easier to do when we're in proximity to people. It's just as simpler. Proximity helps build community. And I want you to know something. As we've been talking over the last few weeks, I want you to hear my heart. This isn't a church growth strategy. This is not a program by which we're gonna grow our church by 500 people or 1,000 people. That's not my goal. My goal is not to build our church. My goal is to build the kingdom of God. My goal is to build healthy community wherever we go because that's the mandate of heaven. That's what God has invited us to do. That's what we see in both the Old and New Testament, that we love God really well and we love our neighbors as ourselves. Now, let me help you with this. Let me help you understand the standard. I've never had a problem loving myself. I'm pretty good at it. I've never missed a meal. I've never been like, you don't deserve to eat today. You're not getting food. You know what? I didn't go to the gym today, but I thought about going to the gym. You deserve some ice cream. (laughs) Right? I deserve a nap. I deserve to be comfortable. I deserve, I take good care of myself. If we're going to be honest, don't you take pretty good care of yourself too? We're good at it. And this is why the language is such. It says, love your neighbor. It doesn't say love your neighbor well. The standard is love your neighbor the way you love yourself. Take care of your neighbor the way you take care of yourself. Look out for your neighbor the way you look out for yourself. That is our mandate. That's what God has invited us into. So this is not a church growth strategy. This is something that is a mandate of heaven for us. Last week, Kim said something that I love. She said, we don't love our neighbors so that they will know Jesus. We love our neighbors because, they love, because we love Jesus. See, what happens is we begin to love our neighbors well. We begin to take a step and do things a little differently. We love our neighbors, even the ones who have trained their dogs to do their business in our yard. I live on the corner. And so a lot of people that are walking their dogs will just be like, eh, it'll be fine. And apparently somebody walks a horse by my house. (laughs) That's the only thing I can surmise. What in the world? Because I've got like a five pound dog. When my dog goes to the bathroom, it looks like a Tootsie Roll in our yard. And then this horse shows up. 
Some of you deal with that, don't you? And you're like, Mel, I'm not supposed to love them because they're bad. I'm not supposed to love them because they're not good to me. They don't treat me well, whatever it might be. And this is what I want you to know. Our goal is not to get them in church. Our goal is to love them well. Because if our goal is to get them in church, what's gonna happen is this. We're gonna, we're gonna invite them to church. And then when they don't come to church with us, we're gonna figure out a way to get them to church. Well, what do I have to do? Well, I'll put a yard sign in my yard. I'm gonna put it up. Hey, but you see this? That's for you. <laughs> Easter Sunday, where are you gonna be? Come to church, right? We walk over to their house, bing bong. And like, oh, no, 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 what's their names? I don't remember their names. Jim, Judy, I don't remember. Hey, buddy. I've noticed you don't ever go anywhere on Sunday mornings. Clearly you're not going to church. You must be a pagan. Why don't you come to our church with us? That's not an effective strategy for reaching the lost. I don't understand. But unfortunately, we do some of those kind of things. But what if instead of that, what if we just said, what if we just love our people well? What if we love the people well that God's put us in proximity to? What if we treat them well and see what happens? What if we love them as we love ourselves? This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Well, what good is salt is if it, if it has lost its flavor. Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, it's a, uh, instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So what do we do? We go, I'm gonna look for ways to serve and bless the people that God has put me in proximity to. I want you to look at where you live, and Steph referenced this a couple of weeks ago. I want you to look at where you live as a, a preordained mission from God. See, when people ask you, how did you end up in Indiana, Pennsylvania? It's not, I never ever go, huh, luck, I guess. I just happened to show up here. I was, I was looking for a small town in Western Pennsylvania and then I ended up here, I guess. You know what I tell them? And we prayed about it. Man, we got a phone call and we prayed about it and we came up here and visited and we knew this is where God was bringing us. We knew God was sending us to this place. See, we came with a mission in mind. God is sending us here with, for a specific purpose to do something specific. And I want you to think about where you live in that same context. You didn't just happen to get the house you are in. You didn't just happen to get in that dorm room. You didn't just happen to get that apartment. God has preordained you to be in that spot to influence and bring light to the people you come into contact with. Um, a lot of us are good at being light to people. Because this is what I want you to hear. Light influences at a distance. Salt influences on contact. See, you can be literally millions of light years away from a light source and still see it. But salt has to come into contact with something to influence it. I've never been at a dinner and been like, hey, where's the salt? No, 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 just show it to me. Oh, that's better. <laughs> right? No, 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 I don't want it on my food. I just want to see it. You have, to, you have to apply it, don't you? It has to come into contact with the food. So many of us think, well, if, as long as I just put the sign in my yard, I've got a summit sticker on my car, so I let the world know. 
Well, my neighbors, I mean, they, they know how I feel. And do they? Are you being light, which is what we're supposed to do, or are you being salt as well? Because this is what Jesus says. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the world. Salt has to come into contact. This is what I know. The story that we started, that we've talked about, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, in the story, this Jewish man is robbed, stripped naked, and left for dead in a ditch. And the Samaritan comes along, sees him, and he does something about it. What did he do? He didn't just stand at a distance and give him some advice. Hey, buddy, maybe you need to clean yourself up. Hey, did you know you're in a ditch? Yeah, he was aware of it. But that's what some of us do. Hey, did you know your life's a mess? You need to do something. Do you know what they need? They need somebody to get in the ditch with them. They need somebody to be salt and come into contact with them. Instead of standing at a distance and hoping it works out, well, I'm just gonna influence them from a distance. No, let's get in the ditch with them. That's what a neighbor does. A neighbor will get in the ditch with you and go, I'm gonna love you like I love myself. If, if I was in a ditch, I'd do everything I could to get out of it. So you're in a ditch, I'm gonna do everything I can to get you out of it. I'm gonna help you, I'm gonna serve you, I'm gonna bless you. That is what Jesus has called us to do. As we talked about, there's a high cost of neighboring well. It's gonna cost us time, it's gonna cost us money, it's gonna cost us comfort. And these will be barriers for us to love well and to neighbor well, if we let them be. But, but I believe if you look at the cost of not neighboring well, because there's a cost there too. If we decide not to get in the ditch with them, if we get, decide not to love our neighbor as we love ourselves like Jesus commanded us to, if we decide not to do that, there's a cost for us as well. I got some more numbers for you. I was reading a sociologist this last week who said that in the mid-80s, about half of all Americans said that they had trouble trusting others. So about 50% of Americans said they didn't really trust people that much. Fast forward to 2019. This is before the election cycle. Fast forward to 2019, and that number went up. So from 50% to 70% of Americans said they don't trust the people around them. 70% before the election. Do you think that number got better? I don't. Do you think people are more trusting after the election in 2020? I don't. People are probably more cynical. You know what's ironic about that is that trust numbers went down even though the, the federal crime rate, the national crime rate is lower as well. Actually, the national crime rate is at one of its lowest it's been um, ever, but it's, it's the lowest it's been. It's about half of what it was in the early 90s. So crime rate has gone down, but trust level has gone down as well. Why do you think that is? Is it, is it possibly because we don't know our neighbors? Is it possibly because we assume the worst instead of we assume the best? Because there's a lack of information about the people that surround us, we fill in the gaps of what we don't know with what we assume. And we assume the worst because we don't trust people. Did you know there's an actual physical response to trust? Your body, when you trust people and you have a high level of trust with the people around you, your body responds to that. What, what we see from a physiological perspective is um, people who trust more and believe people are trustworthy actually have higher levels of healthiness in their bodies. They also have lower risks of strokes and heart attacks 
if they have a high level of trust for the people around them. One of the things that the sociologist talked about in this article was um, despite our best intentions to be connected with social media, all the different tools we have now, we've got FaceTime and, and uh, Zoom and all these ways that we can be connected with people electronically, it seems like the problem has gotten worse instead of better. In the mid-80s, uh, there was a study done that said about 20% of all people struggle with loneliness. You fast forward that number to uh, 2019, and that number had doubled to 40% of all people said they struggled with loneliness. That's pre-COVID. Now, today, many psychologists say that it's between 60 and 70% of all people in the United States struggle with loneliness to some degree or another. That's all people, not adults, that means kids, teenagers, college students, people of any age, 70% could struggle with loneliness. There's a cost to not neighboring well. Is it gonna be uncomfortable? Probably. There's gonna be some things you do that are gonna be uncomfortable because you've lived next door to somebody for four years and you've got no clue what their name is. So do you, do you know how uncomfortable it's gonna be when you're like, Hey, I don't know your name. Could you tell me again? I know I've been faking it for four years. Hey, buddy. Hey, dude. How embarrassing would that be if you'd never learned their name, you brought them to church, you're like, Pastor Mel, I want to introduce you to my friend. Dude. <laughs> stupid, stupid, right? Maybe you're going to have to learn how to forgive somebody who has maybe not treated you well. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to cost you something. But the, the cost of not doing it is so much greater. Because God has intentionally placed you in and near people. And maybe there's an elderly widow near you that she felt isolated and alone already and then COVID came around and people have called, but she hasn't seen people in person for a long time. And she just needs somebody to check on her, to let her know that she's seen and loved and valued. Maybe there's a, a neighbor close to you that they've got a religious background, but they've been hurt by church, they've been burned, and they're a little disenfranchised with God. And they need to see a, what a godly person looks like. Not a perfect person, but a godly person. Maybe there's A kid who his parents split up and he just needs somebody to be able to speak into his life. Not preach to him, but just be an influence, be a friend. There are people all around you that God has sent you to. Will you choose to neighbor well? One of the reasons this is so important, and we've got small groups coming up, I would encourage you, get connected to a small group. We grow in the context of relationships. Um, and this is why relationships are important. This is why your neighbors are important. You, you cannot name five sermons that have changed your life. If I, if I had you try, the best some of you could do would be like, um, at the movies, part one, two, three, four, and five. Those changed my life, right? That would be it. You might be able to name a sermon series, but come on. You couldn't name a specific sermon, probably. But I bet if I asked you, hey, name five people who have impacted your life. Name five people who have changed your life. You probably wouldn't have any problem with that. 
He'd say, oh man, I had a coach, I had a youth pastor, I had a, my mom, my, my aunt, my Sunday school teacher. It would be something like that. What if the people that live around you don't have those five people? What if you are one of those five people and you don't even know it yet? What if you're one of those people they desperately need, but, but they haven't discovered you and you haven't maybe taken the initiative to be the neighbor that God has called you to be? That's why relationships are important. So I told you today we're gonna get a little practical. So I wanna help you. As you walked in today, you got a sheet of paper that looked like this one. This is the time you can pull this out. And as I'm talking through this, I don't want you to fill this out yet. I'll give you instructions on that. But this is what this is. This is the cover of the book of Art of Neighboring. And this is what this, this, this chart is. So, <clears throat> so let me help you with this. This house in the middle, this represents your house, your apartment, your dorm room, whatever it might be. All these squares around, these eight squares around you, um, these represent families and houses in your area, apartments, whatever it might be. And these three levels, A, B, and C, represent different levels of, if I can say it this way without it being weird, different levels of intimacy. So the first level is the name level. And I'm gonna give you a, a, an opportunity in just a minute to fill out A, don't do it yet. But A is where we fill out the names. Because again, how easy is it to build a relationship with someone if you don't know their name? That's pretty foundational, right? Hey Jim, how you doing? Hey Mel, how you doing, right? Let's start with their names. So you're gonna write their name down. Every, my daughter in the last service, she tried to cheat. She, she put, there's five people in the house across the street from us and she put all of their names in different squares. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's one family, that's one square. So you, you list everybody in the house that you can, that you know their names. And you go do that with all. Now I hope this is a good test for you. I'm not gonna see this, but my hope is that you will look at this and be like, maybe I don't know my neighbors as well as I thought I did. Some of you are gonna be like, nailed it, I got them all. Great, good for you. But, but for some of you, there's gonna be some names you don't know. That's okay. The second one, B, this is where we get a little deeper. This is where you put facts. This is where you put the things you know. Um, hey, Jim and his family, Jim and Pam, <laughs> I'm doing the office apparently, Jim and Pam, yeah. Um, <laughs> They, they work at Dunder Mifflin and you know, here's what they do. We'll just keep this going. So on B, you put what you know about them. Here's where they work. Here's what they do. Here's the facts that I know about them. Because again, if you're gonna introduce them to someone, you go, this is Jim. He works at, he's been living here for, great, nice to meet you, right? So those are facts. And then C, this is where we get really intimate. C is where we put their dreams, what do I know about their dreams, their desires, their plans? What do I know about their hurts and their pains and their failures? Because if you're not talking about that stuff, you don't really know somebody. I mean, you can know this stuff and have surface level relationship, that's fine. But if you really wanna influence and speak life and, and love the way that you love, that you love yourself, we gotta get to see. What do we really know about them? And that's gonna require something of you because you're probably gonna have to be vulnerable with them too if they're gonna be vulnerable with you. And some of you are thinking, man, this is great. Again, I live in the boonies. <laughs> I've got one neighbor. Well, I didn't say the people that share a property line with you. I said the eight people who live closest to you. So you might have to spread out your map a little bit to get eight filled in here. But the eight closest households to you, that's what we're shooting for. This is something else I'll help you with. I've already filled out mine because I've been at church already. Um, 
One of my neighbors is, uh, he was in the sound booth. Kendall Kersey is one of our staff members here. And uh, Kendall lives two doors down from me. He walked out right on cue. Kendall lives two doors down from me. So it'd be easy for me to go, Kendall and Ashley Kersey, Cannon, Kenley, and Grayson. And these baby great, baby Grayson, that's what I would put on there. So the, this is one of mine. Great! I don't have to do anything with them because I've already got them covered, right? I'm already in a relationship with them. I don't got to do nothing. I'm not off the hook. I'm still responsible to neighbor well to them. So they're going to go on my list. Um, they could do the same thing with me. Also, there are neighbors that we share that I could go, well, he's your responsibility. No, he's your responsibility. No, no, no. Guess what? That person, we're, we're both going to have responsibility to that person. Does that make sense? We're going to, those people are going to have no option but to love Jesus at some point. We got them, right? You can think about this like a spiritual hit list, okay? We don't want you to kill your neighbor, but we want you to kill them with kindness, okay? One of the neighbors that lives on the other side of, of Kendall and Ashley, I'm just going to be honest with you. I've got my list and I've got names listed out. And then there's one household on the list that it says, people next to the Kerseys because I don't know their names. I've never met them before. They live a couple doors down from me. I need to. Now they're never going to see this list unless they're watching this service right now. And if you are, I'm so, so sorry. I'm going to be coming to visit you soon in the least creepy way I can possibly say that. But I'm just being honest with you. I don't know their names. So where do we start? Well, we start by initiating relationship. I I'm walk over and meet them, get to know their name. And when I do, I'm gonna scratch out people next to the curses and I'm gonna write their names in there. It's gotta start somewhere. So if you've got somebody near you that live in a blue house and you know, write down people in the blue house, that's great. Whatever you need to do. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take two minutes. I'm gonna let you write down. And again, if you're an IUP student, if you live in an apartment, you're not off the hook. Fill in these names. God has sent you to your place for a specific reason. We're gonna take two minutes. Fill out just the name portion, just the A's, and we're gonna have you do the B's and C's later on today. But we're gonna do this and I'm gonna come back in two minutes. We're gonna pray over the people that we're gonna write down their names.
You may have not had enough time to finish that completely, but I hope you're getting the idea of what this is about. And I hope that these aren't just names on a piece of paper. My hope is that you're gonna take this home and you are going to do something with this. It's gonna become, again, a spiritual hit list for you. And you're gonna prioritize this list and go, man, how can I neighbor these people well? So I wanna pray for this group of people. But before I do, I want us to talk about some action steps after this. Number one, I wanna challenge you. Pray for the people on your sheet every single day, especially those that maybe have wronged you or hurt you. Pray for them every single day. Pray that God would bless them. Pray that God would give them opportunities. Pray that, that God would just help them flourish. And your heart is going to change toward them because you're gonna love people that you begin to pray for every single day, I promise. So pray for them. Um, serve them. Maybe the way you love them, the way you love yourself is instead of shoveling the snow in your driveway first, you shovel the snow in their driveway. You bless them. Maybe instead of clearing the, the snow and ice off of your car, you clear the snow and ice off of their car first. You bless them. Just be kind to them. Pay attention. One of the things that helped me build a relationship with a, a gentleman down the street was he's got these beautiful flowers in his, in his yard and he keeps his yard. And one day he was out doing yard work and I stopped and just said, hey, excuse me. I know we don't know each other. I live up here, but I just want you to know, man, your yard looks fantastic. And I, I see how much hard work you put in. I just want to say thank you for that. It looks great. And this opened up a door of opportunities for us to, just to have a conversation. And we just began to talk and now we've got a relationship. And that's pretty exciting. So it can be something as simple as just paying attention to them. Serve them. It's amazing the doors of opportunity God opens when you serve somebody. Even in your marriage, let me help you with that. If you're struggling in your marriage, what if you begin to serve your spouse? It's amazing how the uh, walls will begin to break down when you serve the people around you. So endeavor to do that. And the last thing I would tell you to do is join an Art of Neighboring small group. Today's the last day you can sign up for that. The, the groups start tomorrow. Um, and you can do that by visiting groups.summitpa.church. Or if you'd like, you can text um, Summit PA to the number 94000. Either one of those, you can get signed up for one of our Art of Neighboring small groups. We would love for you to do that. It'll help you, I promise, get through this process and it's gonna change our community. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to take your card out. I want you to hold it up and we're gonna pray for the people that are listed on these cards. And we're gonna believe that God's gonna do something incredible. God's gonna open up doors of opportunity. Uh, that God's gonna grow the kingdom, not just our church, but God's gonna grow the kingdom. That churches are gonna begin to have people showing up because of the relationship you have with them. So we're gonna pray for that. So hold your card up, let's pray for these together. Heavenly Father, thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you that you sent your son to come into proximity to us, to come near to us so that we could know you and have a relationship with you. God, I pray that we would begin to love the people on these cards the way that we love ourselves. Let us take care of them the way we take care of ourselves. Let us see them as people with value, no matter what the differences may be, no matter what their uh, political ideology is, no matter what their ethnicity is, no matter what their age is. Lord, I don't care what the differences are. Help us to love them well. Lord, I pray that you would help us love them enough to get in a ditch with them. Help us love them enough to, to be in contact with them and to, to come alongside them when they desperately need it. Give us eyes to see the needs of the people around us, the, the neighbors we have. And God, I pray that we would understand that we're not responsible for them, but we're responsible to them. So God, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would see much fruit 
from these relationships, that we're gonna see your kingdom expand. We're gonna see lives changed. We're gonna see healthier communities as we endeavor to do this. Lord, start with us, but Lord, let it spill over into our neighborhoods and communities, into other churches. Lord, help us be a people who neighbor well, because this is what you've called us to do. God, we don't do it to manipulate people, but God, we're gonna do it because you have loved us well. You have neighbored us well. So God, we commit to that. We're asking you to help us do it. And we pray blessing on every household that's represented on these cards. God, be glorified in them. Be glorified through us. Help people to see light and life in us and help us to be salt and light to people who desperately need it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now here's what I want you to do. When you start seeing some cool stories happen from these, let us know. Email Steph, email me, let us know about these because we want to celebrate with you. God's going to do something great through these groups and uh, through these opportunities if you simply will be obedient. So that's my challenge to you guys today. There was a quote I saw this last week I want to share with you. It said, what's mine is God's. What is mine is God's. What is God's belongs to my neighbors. I love that. God, everything I have is yours, but everything I have, if you want to leverage that for the people around me, do it. My house, my time, my ability, my talents, it's all yours, God. That's the attitude I hope you have. You know, all this begins with us accepting Jesus as Lord and understanding that he came to earth to be our neighbor, to draw near to us, to, to, to be in proximity to us. And I wanna give you that opportunity because all this begins with that. So if you would bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today and you'd say to me, Mel, I'm not really serving Christ. I'm not in relationship with Jesus, but I know I need to be. Uh, maybe you're like that person who thinks, well, I know there's a God and if I'm just good enough, the cosmic scales will balance out. But you realize today that's not true. If that's you and you say, Mel, I wanna, I wanna surrender my life to Christ because of the work he did on the cross. I wanna be saved. I'm not gonna embarrass you or point you out. I just wanna pray with you and lead you in a prayer that we're gonna pray together. So if you wanna be part of that, you wanna be included in that, I'd love for you to slip your hand up real high where I can see it and you put it right back down. If you say, Mel, include me in that prayer. I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life. Yeah, thank you. On my left, I see you. Thank you so much. Who else? Yeah, thank you on my right. Thank you up in the balcony. Who else would say, Mel, pray for me? Yeah, thank you. I see you, man. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Just a few more seconds. You say, Mel, pray for me. Include me in that final prayer. Yeah, I see you up in the balcony. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, thank you on my left up there. Thank you. Yeah, another hand on my left up there. I see you. Praise the Lord. I want every person in this place to pray this prayer with me. I want you to say this out loud, whether you raise your hand or not. The word of God tells us that if you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So I want us to pray this out loud, but I want you to say it from the, the core of who you are. So just pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From now on, everything I am Everything I have is yours. Use it for your glory and help me never go back to my old living. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today with us, the word of God tells us that there is a party in heaven and that the new is, is here and the old is gone. It's passed away. So we wanna help you walk in your new life a little bit better. The simplest thing for you to do is to simply 
text the word Summit PA, S-U-M-M-I-T-P-A, to the number 94000. So if you do that, when you do, there's gonna be an option, several things there. Select the one that says uh, salvation, I think. Let us know about that, and we're gonna respond back to you and get you connected. We're gonna get you some resources. If you'd prefer, you can fill out the card that's in the seat back in front of you and simply take it to our information center in the lobby when we finish here today. But we wanna help you take the next step in your faith journey. So thank you for worshiping with us today. Um, here's what's gonna happen right now. I'm gonna pray a final prayer of blessing over us. Uh, and as I do, our prayer team and our staff, some of our staff are gonna join me here at the front of this room. And if you need prayer for any reason, as we're dismissed in just a moment, um, I would love for you to come find one of them and let them agree with you in prayer before we, we finish up today. And if, uh, if you're sticking around for the business meeting, uh, feel free, you can take a break, go outside, you know, rest and stretch your legs, whatever you need to do, and come back in here and we'll get started uh, right at 1230. So, uh, so let me pray for you as our staff and prayer team comes. Lord, thank you so much for what you've done in this place today. Thank you for the people who have said yes to you, who've rededicated their lives, who've surrendered their lives. Lord, I pray that this would be a moment that would mark the rest of their lives. That they never forget this moment because you have made all the difference. So God, we celebrate that and we thank you for that. God, I pray as we walk out of this place today, Lord, we would understand that we are carrying your kingdom with us, that we are carrying your glory with us, that God, we are, we are sent into our homes, into our neighborhoods for a specific reason, and that is to love our neighbors well, to share your goodness and your grace with the people we come into contact with. So God, I pray a special empowerment on our people as they do that. Lord, I pray as they go into their neighborhoods, God, they're going to have confidence and boldness to speak truth in love. They're going to have confidence and boldness to have conversations. They're not going to stop because they're afraid of rejection. They're not going to stop because they don't want it to be awkward or uncomfortable. But Lord, give them the power and the strength to do that in the name of Jesus. And God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. So God, I commission this church as we move forward as people who are going to neighbor well. So Lord, minister in and through us this week and be glorified through everything we say and do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Guys, I love you more than you know. I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have a great week.